0: Hello my wonderful, beautiful friends, guys welcome back to our slash malicious compliance where people always get what they ask for, and it almost never works out in their favor. My friends, I hope you enjoy the stories today, hit subscribe if you haven't, and get ready for some satisfying stories. So this story happened quite some years ago, when I had some dizzy spells and would randomly pass out frequently. Now, due to these dizzy spells, I was very hesitant to give up my seat on trains and buses as I was afraid I'd fall over and hit someone or something. I would still stand up though if someone really looked like they needed it and asked politely, but I didn't offer. So one day, I was just getting on the train, and an old lady carrying a cane wanted to board too. A gentleman offers her help saying, Do you need a hand ma'am? The lady replies with, no thank you, I don't even need this cane, but my husband insists that I use it just in case. She then swings her cane around and hops on the train. I end up in the same area as the old lady, in two of the very open seats. After a few stops, a Karen enters. She had the haircut, the clothes, and the attitude. By now, all the seats are filled and there's already people standing around due to lack of seats. So Karen pushes through a few people, looks around, and loudly exclaims to no one in particular, Will nobody offer a lady their seat? Now at this, nobody responds. She then goes around complaining to a few random people sitting down that she needs to sit because she's been standing for over an hour, and she needs to put her feet up on a full train. (laughs) Okay. So one person gets fed up, and he gives her his seat, right across from the old lady from before. The Karen now has a seat, but she still has no place to put her feet up. She then complains to the person next to her, and to the old lady, that these trains are always so cramped, and it would be good if people who didn't need the seats just gave them up. At this, the awesome lady took her cue. She made a point of standing up really slowly and carefully, grabbing her cane and clutching it tightly and said, You can have my seat, dear. Your feet probably need it more. The old lady then walks away very slowly, leaning heavily on her cane and asking people to please step aside so she could fit through. Karen got so many angry stares at this point. She called out to the old lady and said, Hey, you can just keep sitting here. I don't need it that badly. To which the old lady replied, You just said you really needed it, so take it. And she walked to the next cabin. Karen couldn't see her anymore at this point, but from my seat, I could see the old lady stand up straight and pick up the cane, swinging it around again. I don't think many people saw it, because everybody continued to glare at Karen until she got off at her next stop. The old lady just really wanted to teach Karen a lesson by complying and acting her age, making Karen look like a complete idiot, and she's been my hero ever since. Guys, I wish I'd gotten to witness something like this. I love how the Karen backtracked after all those people turned on her and she was just like, I don't need it that badly. And I love this comment right here. This person says, will nobody offer a lady their seat? Well, as soon as one arrives, we all would gladly talk about entitled, right? So I'm a type 1 diabetic, and I have an insulin pump. When I was in my sixth grade, my pump was wired. It had a tube that went from the pump, which looked a bit like a cell phone. To me, at least. So I have to take insulin after I eat, and I had pretty explicitly told all of my teachers that I was diabetic, but this teacher was a bit thick, and a stickler for the rules. My class had just gotten back after lunch, and we were all reading a book out loud. My pump beeped to remind me to take insulin after lunch, and I noticed the teacher give me a bit of a dirty look, but I ignored it and whipped out my pump to deliver insulin. At this point, the teacher screams at me saying, Hey, stop texting in class. You know the rules. Please bring your phone to the front and report to detention. Now, I want to note that my middle school had a very strict no cell phones policy. I was about to protest, but I realized that this would be an excellent opportunity for some malicious compliance. So with a smug grin on my face, I walked up to the teacher with my pump in hand, still literally attached to me, and I hand her my pump. The teacher looks at me and says, What's this cord? Why do you have a chain for your cell phone? With this, I look her dead in the face and say, I'm a diabetic. And this is my insulin pump. At this point, her face goes sheet white, and I unclip my pump from my body and walk out of the class before she can say anything else, and I go straight to detention. When I arrive, I tell the detention officer that I was sent for using electronics in class. Before I even finish, a student from my class walks in and says that I can come back to class. When I get back, the teacher apologizes profusely and never messes with me for beeping or using any device again. Okay guys, so going through the comments, there are a ridiculous amount of comments that say that teachers power trip and demand these devices from students. Like, what in the world? This person says, Oh, you're lucky you didn't get the true idiot teacher. My uncle's a principal who had to deal with the aftermath of a teacher that decided to yank the pump off a student. And this person shares their story saying, When I was a kid, I had a pump for my diabetes, which basically looks like a little electronic box. It made beeping noises if my blood was too high or too low, or if there was a problem with the insulin. So I was in class when my pump started to beep, and the class was pretty loud, so only me and a few people beside me could hear it. I already knew what it was warning me about, and it wasn't a big deal. It was just half an hour till the class ended, so I was just gonna wait till then to replace the vial. When suddenly, the teacher says to the entire class, Whose phone is beeping? I tell her, It's my pump, miss. I'm sorry, it doesn't go any quieter. She then says, You. Bring it here. You can have it at the end of class. At this, I tell her I can't. And then she cuts me off saying, I don't care if it's tied to your body. You will give it here or you will fail this class. Now my pump is in fact tethered to my body. Her use of words was too amazing to give up though. So I walk over to her, unbuckle the pump from my belt, untangle the tubing and hand it to her. I can see her eyes follow the tubing to my stomach where it's attached. And she says, very funny. I said to her, excuse me? just sit back down. So after that, I went to the principal and I believe she got in trouble. I still never got an apology though. A few years ago, I worked in an office with some pretty strange and crappy rules. One such rule was that we could apply for personal time off for any reason, but management needed a detailed summary of the reason before they would approve. This resulted in several instances of co-workers applying for time off for things like funerals and birthdays and being told, The current project deadline is more important than your niece's birthday. Or, do you really need to attend your mother's cousin's funeral? That doesn't sound pressing. Now, it was a really toxic system that resulted in some turnover from coworkers who were sick of being held hostage over personal time off. Furthermore, the department manager and the HR manager needed to sign off on the time off request, which resulted in some frustrating situations where one approved, but the other didn't. It also didn't help that the HR manager was a dick. So pretty much the only time you could expect to be approved for was court dates and important medical appointments, but you still needed to provide details, even if it happened to be a very personal medical or legal situation. So one more bit of context. My department manager was also a jerk. Without going into too much detail, he was a power-tripping sloth who liked to harass women like me. Let's call him jerk and the HR manager Dick. We all hated both of them. So on to the malicious compliance. I had an important appointment with my psychiatrist coming up. My meds for anxiety and PTSD were not cutting the mustard anymore and I was in a bad place mentally. I was in dire need of a med adjustment so I took the soonest appointment available. Work would have to cope with a couple of hours without me. I submitted my personal time off request to Jerk and Dick for approval. Now, given the intensely personal nature of the appointment, I left the details sparse. It was rejected. Both Jerk and Dick said in an email that I needed to give more details about my appointment in accordance with company policy. Now Jerk even had the nerve to call me into his office and chide me over my unacceptably terse PTO request. He said, You know the rules. Why would you waste my time with such a brief request? You know I can't approve this. Now at this, I was pissed, but I did stew in my cubicle and it dawned on me that I could get back at Jerk and Dick merely by complying with their own rules. So I formulate a plan. I sent an email to Dick and I cc'd Jerk. I said, are you sure you need the details of my appointment? Are you positive? It's really personal. Both Dick and Jerk said yes. We do need the details of your PTO circumstances. You know the rules. I replied that it's very private. Are you sure I need to talk about it? We sent some emails back and forth until I was sure I had a solid paper trail. And then I decided, well, if they're going to need my personal medical details, which I think is illegal, whatever. I suppose I'd better give it to them. So I submit a new personal time off request with all the relevant information. I said I was going to go see my psychiatrist for an urgent appointment. I needed to be seen at the earliest possible time because I was having thoughts of hurting myself. Because I have PTSD from being abused in foster care. I also threw in some details about what my foster father did to me, how I went numb and used drugs to cope, how I was hospitalized as a teenager for trying to kill myself. I also screenshot and emailed my request to a few higher ups, saying my previous request was insufficient so I wanted to make sure I got it right this time. I then submitted it. Now there were no snippy emails this time, only the words approved, appearing in green text next to my request in the system, maybe 4 minutes after I submitted it. I blissfully went about my day, happy to have my personal time off. Curiously, neither jerk or dick emerged from their offices. So the fallout. When I show up for work the following day, I was immediately called into the vice president's office. One of the higher managers and a woman that I recognized from legal were also present. The VP politely asked me to sit and to kindly explain the grotesque email that I had sent out yesterday. So I made myself clear that I needed personal time off for a very personal doctor's appointment, and my previous request was denied by both Jerk and Dick for being too brief, and that Jerk even called me into his office to complain about me wasting his time. I told him I didn't want to be rejected again, so I made sure my request was as detailed as possible. I also passed it on to management to verify that the level of detail was up to snuff when it came to corporate guidelines. The VP then asked me a couple of more brief questions. He then apologized for the hassle, said I was being given some extra time off for my trouble, and said that the company would be reviewing its approach to the approval process. I was then dismissed back to my desk. I received written apologies from Jerk and Dick that very morning, hand delivered by a tense and rather petrified Jerk. I think legal put them up to it. Both Dick and Jerk went out of their way to avoid me for the remainder of my time at the company, which was a blessing. The few times they were forced to interact, they spoke very quickly and looked desperate to end their conversation. I guess my time off request was a little bit too intense for them. Whatever the case, it was the end of Jerk's little power trips, at least with me personally. Also that same morning, we received a company-wide email marked as important. There was a change in the personal time off policy. Any requests with regards to medical and sensitive reasons are no longer required detailed explanations, effective immediately. So here's a bonus. So one of my friends in HR, well, not really a friend, but a woman who liked to discuss crocheting with me at the water cooler, shows me an internal email from Dick to all the HR staff. It said that every personal time off request from me personally was to be approved immediately, without question. So I tested this later that summer by requesting a day off to watch Netflix. That's specifically what I put in the request field. And it was approved immediately. I think they had flagged me in their system. Truth be told, I could have probably taken a whole month off and gotten paid for it, but I didn't push my luck. I left the company for a much more tolerable, less toxic, higher paying job about 6 months later. And yes, my appointment went well and I'm doing better now. I started attending a trauma support group, I met my significant other, and I've even been able to reduce the dose of one of my meds. Okay, so first of all, I want to say that Opie is so awesome for doing that to Jerk and Dick. She put it all out there, resulting in the higher ups having to change the policy, and I'm so glad that it ends on a happy note, with her in a better work environment, and in a better place mentally. Secondly, how the heck was that policy even a thing? It boggles my mind that a company required that much personal detail regarding time off in order to have it approved. And come on, on top of that, they let two idiots decide whether or not a funeral is more important than work. You gotta be kidding me The people involved in the story are Bob, who's my boss at the time. He's old. He can't keep up with technology, but he'd been with the company for a long time, so he got to be my boss. Hans, the hero of the story. A friend from school who works in the same company, but in management. He helped me get the job four years prior. Caroline, a co-worker who's not the smartest tool in the shed, but she makes up for it in work ethic. Carl, Normal coworker who's worked at the company for six years. He handles mostly the old clients' accounts, and he has a family, and he's very busy. And then there's me, a guy in his late 20s, a little geeky, and I like computers. So the company I worked for was a small company, and our team of three were best described as tech support for clients, but it went a bit further than that. I usually helped with setting up databases and also advised clients from time to time if they would benefit from upgrading their plan, etc., As normal with tech supports, we did get tickets from clients, and we would work away at them one at a time. I liked the challenging problems, and usually tried to work hard at them. And it just so happened that Caroline liked the more standard problems, and enjoyed doing something she already knew over and over again. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. And as you can imagine, we did make a good team, and had this kind of unwritten rules to who took which tickets. It was a win-win-win-win. For me, Caroline, the company, and the client... Until we got a new boss named Bob. Now Bob immediately noticed that I was working far fewer tickets than Caroline. I tried to explain to him how not every ticket's the same workload because he wasn't very tech savvy, and didn't understand half the stuff I was doing, but he did not understand. Also, around one month later, we get a huge new client, and I spend a week on site setting up all the databases and stuff they need. This drew down my month average ticket numbers even further. Duh. Now if only Bob had half the brain cell, he could figure out why. Now came something I didn't expect from Bob. He said we needed more help on the team, and he was approved to hire a fourth member on the team. Now I was excited, we all were. We had this new huge client, and things were not yet running smoothly, and anyway, our company was expanding fast, so this actually made sense. He specifically asked me to basically do the recruiting process, and to work the new guy in, which I was happy to do. That same night, Hans calls me, which is weird because Hans is not a caller, he's a texter. He basically says to me, "'Hey, you should come over to my house tomorrow. I have some beers that need drinking.'" So the next day, I go to Hans's house, and we're just talking about some normal stuff. By this time, it was just me and him drinking beers, no other friends around. After some beers, he mentioned that he had just updated his resume the day before, and that everybody should always have an updated resume on hand. And he asked me, "'Do you have an up-to-date resume?' Now I felt that this was a weird question, and I had an idea where this was going, so I said, no, but should I? Is there something you know that you want to tell me? To this, he says, well, I'm just saying that everybody should have a resume ready, but I of course couldn't tell you if Bob thinks about letting you go, but I also couldn't tell you if Bob's not thinking about letting you go. I thanked him very much for the beers, and I left shortly after that. So I know I'm getting fired, and I have the suspicion that Bob has just asked me to hire my own replacement and train him to do my job so he can take it. And this is where the sweet malicious compliance comes in. I fully comply with hiring a fourth member of the team, and also picked one of the best suited for what Bob wants, high ticket numbers. So I'm thinking that I'm gonna get somebody with a sloppy attitude that doesn't care if the customer's happy. After all, customer satisfaction was not important to Bob when he talked about my ticket numbers so I get right on it and many people apply. Some are good ones, but I weed those out very quickly. Resumes with a lot of spelling mistakes and little experience in the sector are the ones I invite for an interview. The interview state is trickier because now Bob and someone from HR are sitting in with me, but I'm still asking most of the questions and giving my opinions on the candidates. But because I weeded out the good ones, when Bob makes a decision, he just chose the best of the worst. I advise one candidate, Bob ends up picking him because he'll work very fast and he'll get a lot of tickets done. At this point, I have another job lined up in 4 months time, but I wanted to get fired by Bob to get some sweet severance pay. After 2 months of training Mr. New Guy, I've just shown him how to do basic tickets, and I've let the hard ones slowly build up. So Carl notices, and as he would be the one after my firing to be able to handle them, I let him in on what I was doing. As chance would have it, he had just gotten an offer from another company. And since he also didn't like Bob, he already decided that he will take the offer. I then tell Bob that I'm done working in the new guy, and a week later, he tells me that sadly he needs to let me go, because my numbers had not gotten better. He also wished me a lot of luck finding a new place to work at, with my work ethic. Now this had been the day that I was waiting for, and I just thanked Bob and reminded him of the 4 months worth of severance that I was owed, and also 2 months worth of vacation that I had not taken that had carried over, and now was entitled to get paid out. As I'm heading out, I tell Carl what just happened, and he opens his drawer with the signed two weeks notice, and then he walks into Bob's office. My girlfriend had vacation time left, so we decided to leave for a four-week holiday to New Zealand. I proposed to her there. I started my new job one month after returning, and even got a nice pay bump and a good boss. I also made sure to thank Hans again, and he kept me in the loop, how my old department went down the drain very quickly after I left. And Bob was fired shortly after that. When that happened, they actually approached me for taking his job, and I declined. But that would have been the ultimate F you to him. About 5 years later, I started a company together with Hans, doing much of the same thing, but in a different city. And so far, it's going really well. Guys, what a super satisfying story. New boss comes in, knows nothing about how anything works aside from numbers, ends up losing great employees over his idiocy, screws up everything beyond belief, and gets canned for it. It would have been so awesome if OP came back and took Bob's job, but hey, he's much happier now. And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash malicious compliance. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the stories today, and if you did, remember to hit that thumbs up. And if you missed yesterday's episode on the channel, a psycho mom burns down her son's house for disobeying her. It's such a crazy story, so go check it out if you haven't. And myself and Stevie Boy will see you guys in the next one. We love you.